Swat Cats the Radical Squadron was created by Christian and Yvonne Tremblay for Hanna-Barbera Cartoons Incorporated. Support the Swat Cats Revolution Kickstarter by visiting SWATCATSREVOLUTION.COM and remember to buy Swat Cats DVDs at WBShop.COM. This is a SWATCATS.INFO production. Switching to auxiliary weapons panel. Welcome to the Auxiliary Weapons Panel, a part of the Mega SWATcast where we break format for a little while to talk to fellow SWATcats fans about whatever's on their minds. Make sure your safety harness is strapped on tight because we didn't file our flight plan in advance. My name is Matt, better known as Modad, and I'd like to thank you in advance for joining us as our panel talks about the most infamous of the unfinished episodes of SWAT Cats. Known to many for years as the Curse of Cataluna, now known officially as Succubus. I want to thank everyone for joining us on this little impromptu Discord get-together. It's a little bit of a learning experience for me, but it's always nice to learn about the new, latest, greatest things that the kids are using these days. (laughs) Kids. I just turned 34 today. That's true. I want to wish someone who's very special to us all in the SWAT Cats fandom a very happy birthday today. Happy birthday to you. I believe he's uh, been perpetually 29 years for a while now. (laughs) You've probably heard of him. Uh, Kushmeister, he's he's like the fan's fan. He's the ultimate authority on the show in many ways. Sort of the ultimate commentator on its various aspects, bring a very analytical approach to the content that you generate, and your participation is almost sort of like legend to people who have been involved for a while. When I can collect my thoughts, I am, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For those who don't know, Kushmeister is responsible for most of the lists, trivia, biographies, and general details you've probably read about related to SWAT cats at one point or another. He was a major contributor to Strike SWAT Cat Zone and the largest contributor to the SWAT Cats Encyclopedia. In many ways, it's kind of his website, more so than mine. You know, his discussions, observations populated so many forums, wikis, and communities. In a lot of ways, he's been a cornerstone of the SWAT Cats fandom. And I'm sure he'll forgive me for paraphrasing something I already wrote about him 10 years ago, just to recycle it. But I think it's worth repeating in in speech. So I want to thank him for joining us and also wish him a happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Yay! Hey, happy birthday to you. We also have with us a fellow compatriot of Kuschmeister's by the name of Mark Lungo. Well, famous to all of us, wrote um, all of those entries in the Animato article that, what was that? That was Trade Magazine that came out concurrently with the show in the early 90s? Well, it wasn't a trade magazine. It was a fan magazine about animation, which is why I knew would be the perfect place for an article like that. These were people who um, wrote about uh, various subjects uh, pertaining to animation, and they did it passionately, and they knew their stuff. They they were full of knowledge about animation and the people who created it. So they set a high standard, and I like to think that I uh, met that standard. I'll go ahead and give Felony an introduction as well. Felony is a longtime participant in the SWAT Cats fandom. She's contributed countless works of art, writing, and ideas. Her personal project, Dark Cat's Doomsday Page, located at darkcat.com, it provides a plethora of information about the show's arch villain. She's a major contributor to the SWAT Cats encyclopedia herself. She's researched the show, provide entries and all kinds of rewrites, cleaning up my messes. She's uh, also been really helpful with collecting media and screenshots. 
He's provided content for numerous projects, including the now defunct SWAT Cats Journal. Anyone remember that? I love that. If there's a SWAT Cats project you've seen, there's a good chance that Felony has been involved with it at some point. I'd like to welcome her to this little get-together as well. When you were working on that Animato, is it pronounced Animato or Animato? I always was wondering that. Animato, as far as I know. When you were working on Animato, did you have any sort of access to anything at Hanna-Barbera, or was it purely sort of like a hands-off review kind of objective sort of thing? Well, they were aware of the article. They sent some uh, publicity pictures to Animato to accompany the article. Not the best pics, not what I would have chosen, but it was better than nothing. And I did occasionally call them or fax them. You'll get access to people. I talked mostly with Lance Falk for that article. I also did a brief interview with uh, one of the the music people. I think it was John Zucker, uh, although I'm not 100% sure. I didn't use uh, as much as I would have liked. He got maybe a couple sentences in the finished article. But I did talk extensively to Lance Falk, and we're still Facebook friends today. I do remember a, a Canadian fan named Andy Hill, who um, he and a friend of his actually sent me a, a video of them visiting the Hanna-Barbera offices. So that's where that came from. That's that uh, sort of a semi-famous video that's been floating around YouTube that shows uh, that shows Christian Tremblay touring the studios around there. You get to see the, uh, the gift shop. And if I recall correctly, you get to see the... Uh, uh, bright and shiny future in production. I'm, I'm not sure if it's the same video, but anyway, Andy, if you hear this, call me. Mark can tell us a little bit of the backstory. I think we're all going to be talking about Succubus. Maybe Mark can tell us a little bit about, you know, how he acquired the script, how that went along. Kushmeister can tell us about his transcription of it, his overall opinions of it, etc., etc. Christian Trombley sent it to me as a thank you for the Animato article. You know, after a while, I, I, I found it, and I knew that Kush would want to see it, so I copied it and sent it to him, and he put it on the internet. Now the whole fandom can see what this episode might have been. Yeah, I first learned of it in his Animato article, where he referred to it as the, the Curse of Cataluna. That's a title Lance Falk gave me, so I don't know if this is an earlier title or a later one or what. We would have to talk to Lance and Glenn Leopold to... Uh, you'll figure out what happened and when. They may have changed the title because maybe somebody objected to uh, the sexual implications of a succubus. Ted Turner. <coughs> and I gotta cancel the sexy cat lady show. <laughs> Please tell me I'm not the only one who's seen that comic. I've seen it. For those who don't know anything about Curse of Cataluna, which is actually canonically called Succubus. Just sort of the general summary of the episode, what it is. Mega Cat City is being plagued by a supernatural serial killer who leaves the victims of strong male cats in a physically wasted state. Meanwhile, Commander Farrell becomes smitten with a wealthy woman named Katrina Moorcroft, and she seems to have some kind of hold over him. Felina doesn't like her and eventually comes to the conclusion that she might be the one behind all the mysterious and gruesome deaths because they started two months ago and she only came to Mega Cat City two months ago. Eventually, it turns out that she and her retinue of employees who work at her house are all evil life-sucking demons. And so, of course, 
Felina and the SWAT cats have to take out the trash and prevent other people from being drained of their life force, especially Commander Farrell, because Katrina wants to drain him on the night of an eclipse that's coming up. And the significance of the eclipse is? This is a special draining. She's drained other people up to this point, but they only temporarily restore her youth. However, if she drains the life of someone that actually cares about her, Farrell in this case, really, on the night of a centennial eclipse, then she can restore her youth and not have to drain anybody, probably for a hundred years. And one of the things I thought was interesting about this episode, in Razor's Edge, we get a little inkling that Felina Farrell has sort of a detective's instincts almost. Let's just say I'm skeptical. And this episode seems to revisit that concept. Oh yes, she's suspicious of Katrina pretty instantaneously, which I thought was kind of weird, but I think that was just a general dislike for the fact that she's romantically interested in her uncle. And even though he's her uncle, they do have kind of a father-daughter relationship and sometimes uh, children in single parent families can get a little defensive when a new boyfriend or girlfriend comes into the picture. That's why she dislikes her initially, and that's certainly what her uncle accuses her of being the reason for disliking Katrina. But she eventually latches on to the idea. What first tips her off is the fact that the gargoyles who kidnapped the construction foreman they find the foreman's hard hat near Moorcroft Manor, which is where Katrina lives. And that can't be a coincidence. And then there's the fact that Katrina came to Mega Cat City two months ago, and that's when the killings started. Yeah, she definitely is really able to put two and two together. Katrina's the most likely suspect. She's involved somehow, is what... It takes a while for Felina to actually come to the conclusion that Katrina herself is the one that's doing it. But she knows from the moment that they find that hard hat on the grounds of the mansion that she's involved somehow. And she's going to get to the bottom of it. And she doesn't let her uncle's stubbornness and obliviousness deter her in any way. He tells her to stay off the case. Felina, no! I don't take no for an answer. Uh, she does not listen, and she eventually is proven correct. I'm thinking about it now, and with the exception of Cry Turmoil, and I'm not sure if it counts because most of them are extras, would this episode have had the most amount of female characters in an episode of SWAT Cats? Well, we have Felina. Lieutenant Felina Farrell. Callie. Calico Briggs, Deputy Mayor. Dr. Sinian. It's definitely a part of history. We also have the main villain is female, Katrina. And then Angora shows up. Cat's Eye News will be there to cover it. Briefly at the beginning to do her usual reporter exposition. So, yeah, I think it would have had the most female characters, uh, at least the most named female characters with speaking roles and part in the story in any one episode of the show. Yeah, that does make it stand out from the others. Yeah, and some people complain, rightly so, that the only significant female villains are Molly Mange. They remember us. And Turmoil. Your rank will be second only to mine. And even if we include the Cicada Queen. <laughs> That's still only three. So Katrina would have definitely helped, you know, more female antagonists. 
girls can be evil, vicious, remorseless killers too, you know? <laughs> Would this also have been an episode with the least amount of on-screen presence of the SWAT cats? Yeah, now that you mention it, they don't actually show up in Act 1 until three scenes in. There's the opening scene with Gino, the dock worker, being killed. Then there's the scene of the Enforcers finding his body. And after that, Beryl and Felina go to Enforcer headquarters and meet Katrina. It's not until the fourth scene that we actually get introduced to the SWAT cats. Bingo. Jake hardly appears in Act 2. T-Bone does have a major role in Act 2, but it's mostly just him and Felina off on an adventure. And then in Act 3, they show up at like the very, very beginning, and then not at all until like the very, very end of it. So it definitely would have had very little on-screen time for them. It's clearly a story that's much more concerned with what is Felina doing? What is happening to Commander Farrell? What is Katrina up to? Etc. Etc. And I'm glad that the the writers were starting to vary the formula, and hopefully that would have happened in the third season. It might still happen if Revolution gets made. Oh yeah, it was Buzz Buzz Potemkin who often said that everything had to focus exclusively on the SWAT cats. The SWAT cats. Now, in the case of Cry Turmoil, I think that he did the right thing for the wrong reasons, because I just really can't see Commander Farrell turning evil. I don't deal with scum. But this episode would have actually taken steps to maybe having more focus on the supporting cast and giving more attention to them, Felina in particular. I know that for a lot of fans, Felina Farrell is considered the, um, I guess, uh, what's the, the term, the breakout character? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be it. And yeah, she definitely has a following of her own. When Mark told me that he had a script for one of the unfinished episodes, oddly enough, I was kind of uninterested in it at first because it didn't have Dr. Viper. Just call me Viper. Dr. Viper. <laughs> what's, with this, what's with that sigh? I'm sorry. Just a, a little editorial comment. Moving on. Anyway, uh, so, but eventually I was like, yeah, sure, send it. And then I read it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. I hate you, Ted Turner, for canceling the show. I see your bet, Carter, and I raised you CNN. I do have to admit, after reading your excellent, excellent treatment of it, which can be found on both uh, SwatCats.info and on the MegacatCD.com forums, if there's a description that accompanies this podcast, I'll make sure to include some links to that. This had the potential to maybe be my favorite episode of the entire show if it followed uh, to the script pretty closely. Just so we're clear, by treatment, he probably either means my summary of it or the write-up of the script. I didn't write my own version of the script. I literally physically transcribed it, complete with all the original typos in it. And there were quite a few very disappointed in you, Glenn. And it would have brought back some things from back in season one, particularly the element of Callie actually knowing Chance and Jake and going to their garage. I need your help, guys. This crate pinged all the way from Megacat Bay. To see them on a regular basis and another tie into the giant bacteria is the fact that they they once more try to improve Callie's car and break it I'm not sure using these turbo plugs on Callie's engine is such a good idea chance I say she's got to have extra horsepower in case of an emergency I say you're gonna blow the engine 
And in this case, I think it all doesn't, uh, yeah, it almost kills Jake. The tailpipe shoots off and almost gets him in the head. Then we have the villains, uh, who I think are very interesting. And I'm convinced that either Glenn Leopold or whoever at Hanna-Barbera, maybe even the Tremblay brothers, who came up with this concept, they had to have been influenced by the movie Life Force. From the director of Poltergeist and the writer of Alien comes a terrifying new film. Which is a film about energy vampires that come down from space and they suck out people's life force, causing them to shrivel up into desiccated, dried up husks. Life Force. The terror has just begun. Which is exactly how Katrina's victims are described in the script. Another similarity between Succubus and Life Force is that that's not what Katrina actually looks like. She and her little fanboy squad, they actually are demons or gargoyles. Script describes them in both ways. Their real forms are these demonic looking creatures. And that those are the real forms of the vampires in Life Force. I only recall seeing one of the one of the male vampires turn into a big winged bat monster. But I'm but I'm convinced that someone at Hanna Barbera must have seen that movie and decided, oh, this would make a great SWAT Cats episode. The only real difference in Life Force, the victims of the vampires, they get back up as vampires themselves and drain the life force out of someone else and are restored to health and vigor. Whereas that does not happen to Katrina Moorcroft's victims, although that would be interesting if it did. Can you tell us a little bit more about what was Katrina Moorcraft in the script? How is she how is she described? What does she look like? Kind of maybe her personality, any of those little details. Physical descriptions of her are pretty vague. She's described as mysteriously beautiful. In terms of personality, she's she tends to play things a little close to the chest. Now she's clearly very amorous and a little, even a little seductive towards Feral, but at the same time she doesn't really seem to wear her true intentions on her sleeve. There's never really many moments where where she's like, "Oh yes, you're going to get exactly what you deserve, Commander. I thought we were dividing the city equally. Just a slip of the tongue, Viper. Now, she does act like that later, but that's after she's already outed herself as the serial killer plaguing Mega Cat City by attacking Feral and starting to drain him. Whereas her, and that's about where her Bond villain stupidity starts really rearing its head. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Because up till that point, she's been actually pretty careful and intelligent. But now suddenly she's like, ah, yes, bring Felina Farrell in so that she can watch as I drain her uncle. And I'm like, why didn't you just kill her already? One of the things that I thought was neat about this script, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this seems like it's potentially the strongest Felina Farrell episode if it were to air. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. I think it was Lance Falk. I could be wrong. So that it was Commander Farrell's story. But I think it's really more Felina's story and her, her frustration that she can see that something something bad is happening to her uncle, who she loves and she cares about. But he's so just so blinded by his affection for Katrina, he doesn't see it. And so she's forced to basically spend the whole story watching him waste away into an old man and be like, oh, that's silly. I love that he has a glamour photo of Katrina on his desk. 
and like he shows it to Felina and says, "Is that the face of a succubus?" And I'm sitting here going, "Maybe he missed the part that she only pretends to be a beautiful she cat, and that she's actually a hideous gargoyle." Now, there was actually, I think there was a Mighty Max episode that was similar to Succubus called Fly by Night with a woman named Countess Mosca. Every 500 years, one vampire remains to hatch a new generation. And we walk the earth, feasting on you stupid, foolish humans who believe in fairy stories about bats. Mosca? Whatever. But she was actually a giant vampire fly creature. It differentiated itself from Succubus with its fly and maggot imagery as opposed to more overt demon imagery. So, Kushmeister, you were talking about how Felina Farrell's role in this relationship with her uncle, how he's extra oblivious to what seems to be obvious to everyone else observing him. What do you think I am, stupid? Yeah, it's interesting that Felina at one point says something along the lines of, uh, I don't know what sort of spell she's put over you, uh, but that's really the only indication that Katrina is ever doing any kind of mystical hoodoo to force Commander Farrell to fall in love with her. She says that she has to drain the life force of the one who loves her on the night of the eclipse. If she were to use magic to force him to love her, that would be cheating and it wouldn't work. But what do, what do I know about evil demon magic? Mother's grief, father's shame, soon he goes to whence he came. What's that mean? I'm sending him to his room. So if that is true, though, then it seems as though Commander Farrell was genuinely head over heels for Katrina. And I'm wondering what it's going to be like, for because it ends in his hospital room. What's, what's it going to be like for him, knowing that the woman that he loved enough, that he loved Katrina enough to ask her to become Mrs. Katrina Farrell, and she betrayed him and tried to kill him. And actually did kill several other people. Yeah, let's let's not forget that, which means that she is basically, she's a serial killer. This episode really went to a lot of dark places. This, the serial killer aspect, I can't remember how, exactly how many people she had killed up to that point. I think something like four or five. And this is the fact that we would have actually seen the desiccated corpses. And again, how they're described, they uh, would end up looking pretty much exactly like the victims did in Life Force. Life Force. Anyone listening to this, you can just go Google that, I guess, to see what they look like. For an idea of what the dried, desiccated cat victims of Katrina would have probably looked like in this episode. And then, of course, there's the scene where Laszlo and Otto are dumping the body of the construction foreman in the swamp. Uh, sorry, sorry, no dumping in the lake. Fine. I will put my yard trimmings in a car compactor. Uh, Chief, I think there was a dead body in there. I thought that too, until he said yard trimmings. You gotta learn to listen, Lou. We would have actually had a scene in SWAT Cats where some guys basically did what amounted to, you know, a body dump like something out of The Sopranos or something, where they take the wrapped up body out of the trunk of the car and throw it in the water. Now, I know we wouldn't have seen it. It was wrapped up uh, and everything, but it's pretty obvious what they're doing, especially when the shoe falls out. I think it would have been amusing if uh, we had a Dr. Viper cameo where he pops out from behind a tree and asks him, hey, guys, are you done using that? Quite an eyeful, isn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> His plantables are hungry. Yeah, I do sort of wonder, like, I don't know, could Katrina drain the life force of Dr. Viper? 
<laughs> well, it made an interesting uh, crossover. I'm also a little unclear as to whether or not the other demons can, can do that. Whether or not, despite being referred to consistently as gargoyles, whether or not her three minions are incubi. They certainly seem, well, they turn to dust when she gets killed, and they certainly seem to be benefit when she was draining Feral. They basically seem to stand and benefit from it somehow. So apparently they are. So we have a little group of uh, life-sucking demons. This script for Succubus is written by Glenn Leopold. It was actually kind of recycled and repurposed by Glenn Leopold as an episode in the second season of The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, titled Eclipse. Anything you want, it is yours, Elise. Because I am like no girl you have ever met before. The, the similarities to this and that episode are really, there's there's a lot of them, at least half of them are reused. So if you wanted to get a general idea of how some of the characters would be portrayed on screen in, you know, like human form, obviously, but I think since the animation studios and a large majority of the production staff from SWAT Cats the Radical Squadron carried over onto that show, I think you get a pretty good idea of how this uh, could have looked and how it would have been executed. That's right. I, I was so busy mentioning what I think inspired it that I actually forgot to mention what came out of it. In in this case, the episode Eclipse. Now, there's a few differences. Obviously, she's not named Katrina Moorcroft. Oh, forgive my rudeness. These are my friends, Johnny Quest, Jesse Bannon, and I am Haji. I am Elise Lenoir. Hi. And I also know that she only has one minion combined, all three of her guys into one character and also unlike in succubus she eventually gets mad at him and kills him whereas katrina is actually a good boss the major difference i think is who she wants to drain on the night of the eclipse now if it were following the rules of succubus where she has to drain the life force of the man who loves her she would drain haji but instead she's going to drain jesse favorite victim of uh, the real adventures with johnny quest do something Seriously, so many bad things happen to that poor girl. She wants to drain Jesse, and she she wants to replace the guy that she killed with Haji. And that's a new angle that was not in the original Succubus script. If Succubus were going to follow the rules of Eclipse, then what would happen is that Katrina would have actually wanted to drain Felina and convince Feral to join her. And then it would have been more Feral's story as he tried to resist and fight back as opposed to being Felina's story where she's trying to stop what's happening to her uncle. I have a question. I guess it's more towards Mark. Since you wrote the Animato article, I actually have the physical copy of Woohoo! You mentioned in here, and I guess this is, was Lance telling you this, there was even a voice actor who was picked for Cataluna. It says, Cataluna, somebody who played Morticia on Hanna-Barbera's 92-94 Adams Family. Darling, that's the same thing you do every Thursday. Nancy Lenari. That kind of line right there led to people thinking that this had already been recorded or was ready to go. Yeah, they recorded the voice acting for all three of the unfinished episodes. I mean, I understand that all they really had to do was the actual animation and the bosses at Hanna-Barbera or Ted Turner or whoever just said, no, that's as far as they're going to go. Okay, so there was there was no animation, but there was voice acting. Theoretically, that if those, if those voice tracks still exist somewhere, 
maybe the Tremblay brothers could get a hold of them and have have those three episodes animated as part of SWAT Cats Revolution. I mean, assuming they ever get it off the ground. And that would be great if that happened. Now, Matt, do you know if you mentioned that Johnny Quest Eclipse episode? Do you know if she, uh, Nancy Lenari, actually did the voice for the lady in that episode? Jennifer Leon voiced the character of Elise in Eclipse. She is of uh, Star Trek fame. She was the character Kess on Star Trek Voyager. I've been doing some mental exercises with Tuvok, developing my telepathic ability. Yeah, Elise Lenoir. By the way, I think that uh, Leopold uh, recycled the idea yet again in one of the uh, Scooby-Doo movies. I think maybe Zombie Island. Sykes! In Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, the character is called Simone Lenoir. Every harvest moon, I must drain the life force from victims lured to my island to preserve my immortality. The relationships that are explored between a lot of the characters in this, a reappearance of Callie Briggs and her little interaction with Jake, and then there's also some interaction between T-Bone and Felina Farrell as well. And a lot of other characters make some reappearances, like one of my favorite characters is uh, Dr. Abby Sinian, and she has uh, a presence in this too. It's positively supernatural. Oh uh, yeah, she shows up mostly only in Act 2, uh, but the fact that uh, Linda Gary and Gary Owens have both passed away is so if if we can preserve their voice tracks and animate these last three episodes it would you know be a nice little tribute to them but yeah uh Sinian plays a somewhat important role in explaining the legend of the succubus to felina and callie and i do find it interesting that callie dismisses it initially it sounds like a pretty wild story lady you live in mega cat city life-sucking demons that's not too big of a stretch well she also has undead sorcerer stalker who's always uh bothering her at inopportune moments too now Callista, shall we get married in the present or the past marry me Callie briggs marry me maybe, maybe that's what happened to the past master he was once had a thing with cataluna and well it went south but he stopped her before his transformation was complete and just got stuck Just touch on a little bit of the sort of dichotomy where, you know, Jake has his date with Callie Briggs, I guess, quote unquote. Ah, uh, yeah. Woo -woo. Uh, where he's described as wearing a nice business suit to the, the orchestra. Styling and profiling. And then T-Bone has a quote unquote date with Felina. I don't know. It, it kind of bugged me because they actually fail to save the construction foreman. It reminded me a little too much of Razor nonchalantly brushing off the deaths of the subway commuters and the motorman in The Giant Bacteria, where there's like, hey, we failed to save that guy, but sure, we had fun. And he gives her uh, what's referred to as a SWAT cat beeper. Well, it's interesting that, okay, so she's, but she calls with the beeper. Isn't that kind of not how that works. It was a piece of late 80s and early 90s technology where you could carry this large box-like sort of radio transmitter receiver that you would call a phone number to. It would transmit over, I don't know if it was radio networks or what, but it would receive the signal and it would cause it to beep on your person. So if you were a doctor or drug dealer, you could get to a payphone and call back the number that displayed on the beeping device. You know, Cat Scratch and Fango had those. 
Is that what they just called the communicator? The one T-Bone gives to Felina is referred to as a SWAT cat beeper. To be fair, I believe it's T-Bone who has the dialogue, so he's probably just ad-libbing one of Razor's devices at that point. Yeah. But yeah, Felina really showed herself as very capable in that sequence. I especially like the part where either Laszlo or the other guy, the script doesn't differentiate which gargoyle is which, grabs the construction foreman and is holding on to him so she can't shoot him without hurting the foreman. What she does is she shoots the arm of a construction crane, causing it to swing around and smack into, let's say, Laszlo, forcing him to drop his intended victim. And I thought that was a, a particularly little, a clever moment for her. We also get to see a reappearance of some uh, SWAT cats equipment that uh, we had thought had been destroyed, didn't we? The thunder truck, oh, yeah, yes. Was- Ready to rock and roll. Thunder truck locked and loaded. It was nice to see that back. I think they were hoping to make it part of the toy line, which is why it was so prominent in Wind Strikes New Lore. Yeah, and it doesn't get blown up this time. We also see a new missile that I like is the airbag missile, which is you first when Callie, Felina, and Dr. Sinian are knocked off the roof. They shoot this missile, and it goes, goes down ahead of them, and when it hits the ground, it explodes and expands into a giant rescue airbag. For Like when people are going to jump off buildings, they put those airbags down. This is also what they use to save Feral at the end when he's dropped in the final battle. One of the cool things that I thought was really neat, and I would have loved to have seen this scene animated, is when T-Bone arrives to assist Felina, how she actually has to take Razor's spot on the thunder truck and use that placed weapon that they got on the back there, the laser turret. And their interactions and dialogue between them seemed like it'd be really, really fun to have seen. I also love that Razor is actually upset later on. You let Felina Farrell ride in our thunder truck? Chance, I thought I knew you. I, I gotta say, I happily would, would trade this episode for Caverns of Horror, which is not bad, but it's not as good as this would have been. If this episode could have been animated and done as well as possible for this script, I think, as I mentioned earlier, this might have been my favorite episode of the entire show. Well, let's hope that that the SWAT Cats Revolution thing that Cooch was talking about actually happens. Oh yeah, definitely. I also wanted to touch on the other new characters in the script. The opening kill, for example, is Gino Furnace. Back to those lovely cat ones. Uh, but of course, the, the major new characters, other than Katrina, are her little, what I refer to her as her little fanboy squad. Of uh, male demons. Their job is to go out, they, they're the ones that actually go bring the people back for her to drain in this rather sacrificial environment where they're like chained to like an ancient stone pillar boy this episode would have looked really awesome it's rather odd that katrina is not described very well but otto gets described as resembling eric von stroheim which is another reference to an older movie eric von stroheim was an austrian actor and he's probably most famous for playing max the creepy chauffeur in sunset boulevard somebody with polo ponies a big shot what you're trying to say is you don't want me to love you the film that reaches a new milestone of dramatic daring 
which was about an older woman dating a younger man. So Succubus is basically Sunset Boulevard on steroids. Is that Sunset Boulevard on catnip? And Farrell almost ends up like William Holden did in that movie. And yes, I'm pretty sure that once Katrina was finished draining him, he would have ended up just like William Holden and the construction foreman floating face down in the water. The only other thing I wanted to add is it's a little ambiguous at the ending how Farrell is able to be restored to his youthful state after Katrina drained him so much that he is described as basically looking like dry parchment. My personal interpretation, and this is really dorky and sappy and lame, but I like to think that when she takes his hand and holds his hand, I like to think that basically the power of Felina's love restores him to normal. I know that's sappy and dorky but that's what i think the themes and tones throughout the episode would definitely seem to suggest that that was that's probably the case kushmeister was nice enough to add it to the swakats encyclopedia and uh, retroactively update a number of entries and appearances related to it what do you think are the the biggest influences and takeaways that this episode would have had on you know you know, maybe the series and maybe on some of our main characters you know things like that i think that possibly there would have been a bit more focus on the relationships between jake and callie and chance and felina to say nothing of the fact that this might have actually been a real big turning point for commander Farrell, whether or not he would come to trust the swat cats more because they pretty much literally now they've saved they saved his life many many times throughout the series but this was like a step above that kind of because they didn't just save his life they saved him from complete and total physical ruin and so i like to think that after this incident he would have become a bit more accepting of, of them and it would have definitely strengthened his relationship with felina he would have learned maybe not to doubt her maybe to listen to her judgment more often yeah so i think that it would have really helped in influence that and uh, it also may have signaled that SWAT cats was going to start heading in more of a dark direction well that was one of the things that i was going to ask whether you or mark that do you feel that this episode would have acted as either thematically as a conclusion to the series or as a segue into a season three where we sort of start to take things in a different direction. Well, I will prefer the segue into season three myself. Um, as a, a finale episode, well, it wouldn't have been bad. Unlikely Alloys was also a good note to go on. Yeah, it would have been good to see the writers develop the themes introduced in this episode, assuming that they actually would have done that who knows well i had actually never really considered it for a finale episode assuming that they reworked the dialogue slightly then the final scene in Farrell's hospital room could have actually served as a really good final scene of the series to me it kind of seemed to have that feel of uh uh, like I agree with Mark, it would have been a good finale for that season and then start the next one because it reminds me of Catastrophe, how you had all the bad guys, you know, that you never saw together before. And in this one, you like you all mentioned, they brought back Sinian, they brought back some of the old tech. It kind of had that feel of like, you know, everything coming together, sort of. I think the best ending to at least a season two episode is probably the end of Razor's Edge. 
where they just they pull out to show the SWAT cat standing there with the enforcers standing around and looking at them. I just always liked that shot and the the lighting and atmosphere and the music they used in it. Do you think Dark Cat will surface again soon? Well, when he does, we'll be waiting. Both of us count on it. So maybe they could have done something like that where they pull pull out to show like the whole hospital room using similar themed music, maybe something like that. And fittingly, it's the same hospital from Razor's Edge. The script is quite clear on this. Wasn't that Mega Cat Memorial? Yeah, and this would be the first time we actually saw a doctor there. Well, I'm not surprised they used the uh, hospital again because they already had uh, those uh, backgrounds designed. I imagine that rather than do a new background design for Farrell's hospital room, they probably would have used the hospital room that the phony elderly couple were in. And that's a discussion for another episode, that fake elderly couple. I'm sure that that has a lot of uh, potential there. Yeah, and how they're able to get away with it, being examined by doctors and paramedics who can't tell the difference between fake injuries and real injuries, not to mention the fact that they're not really old I think the uh, the easiest solution is that if you look very closely at the establishing shot of Mega Cat Memorial Hospital, you'll notice that the Mega Cat part is actually a cardboard sign sharpied on, and if you look behind it, it actually says Dark Cat Memorial Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's how he earns his money. He's not out robbing banks most of the time. He's in the most evil industry of all, healthcare. Doomsday. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's Dark Cat's evil myth. That's that. That's Dark Cat City, where healthcare is privatized. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for spending your time talking about this. It was really great talking to all of you. I want to thank Mark Lungo for joining us. Thank you. I mean, this is a wonderful opportunity. I had a great time. Love to do it again. I am on Facebook and Twitter under the name Mark Lungo. I don't really have like a lot of imaginative names. I'm on DeviantArt as uh, Mark Lungo. I am working on an RPG called Crime Strikers. The characters were designed by Felny Cat's colleague and friend Cindy Ramey. Thanks to all of you for um, you know making this such an entertaining experience, and I hope that the uh, listeners will enjoy it as well. Cindy Ramey, along with Felony, they make the popular Nova Squadron fan comic, which can be found at nova.swatcats.info. Koosh, uh, did you have a little outro you wanted to do? The only thing I have really to add is please go check out my my fan scripts on various places, Mega Cat City in particular, The Radical Beginning, which is a prequel, The End of the Swat Cats, which is my attempt at a series finale, and Bad Vibrations, which is my attempt at a Felina-centric adventure. My art can be found Kushmeister on DeviantArt, on Fur Affinity, and various other places, and that's really all I've got to say. Felony, was there anything you wanted to say? You can find my artwork at felonycat.info or felonycat on Fur Affinity, Class A Felony on Tumblr, and General Manx at DeviantArt. Swatcat's Nova Squadron comic by Cindy Ramey and myself can be found at nova.swatcats.info. This has been a SWATCats.info production. At SWATCats.info, you can find hundreds of entries, thousands of images, and links to all the great fan creations across the internet. Thanks for listening.
how we're feeling. This doesn't have to be in the final edit. <laughs>